Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. He is Anthony Heron. Anthony, hello. Thanks for joining the show. Hey, Gordon. I appreciate you guys for having me on, man. It's uh, been quite a quite a college football offseason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could say that again for sure. Well, hey, weigh in on this conversation we were just having. We're kind of measuring the optimism that some sort of college football is going to happen one way or another. How optimistic are you? Um, I mean, on, on a scale of 1 to 10, I, I think I've vacillated over the past month anywhere from a, a negative 2 up to about a 9.5. <laughs> I'd say as we sit here right now, probably around a I don't know, a, a six and a half. You know, I, I do still think there is going to, to be, I mean, I was just talking to a, an administrator literally just a, a few moments ago from a, a Power 5 conference, and, you know, I'm, I'm still confident that everyone, of course, wants this season and that some version of it will be attempted. Um, that, that confidence does dissipate a bit with, with news like we've gotten over the past you know, week and a half to two weeks, but I think people are still looking for a number of different levers that can be pulled before they were just to, before someone would either delay the start of the season or completely call off the fall sports calendar. So at the moment, I, I do believe, you know, honestly, whether right or wrong, but I do think that it is still more likely than not the college football season will begin. Whether it ends, though, might be a separate question. So what has to happen in order for it to fall into place? Well, the simplest way I suppose I would put it would be that the medicine needs to catch up to the money, you know, because that, that's one of the things that the revenue available to the Power Five conferences, that's certainly part of, and, and I think there's two different lanes to discuss this revenue track on because the amount of money that is being lost, that has been lost, that would continue to be lost in the future without major college sports at, at, the, at the Power 5 level, especially with football. If, if there's a, a diminished football season, as, as it looks like we would definitively have, and certainly if there's no football season, that's part of the motivator, and especially when the Ivy League news happened where, where they're postponing all their fall sports. And I think a lot of folks viewed it just through the lens of, well, the Ivy League doesn't necessarily have as much to lose from a revenue perspective, so it makes that decision easier. That's part of it. But I think especially when you look at the Power Five and the resources available to folks in, in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, they can just do more to try and keep their people who are going to be associated with these events safe. They, they just have more resources to do it. And I think that's a part of why the Ivy League was, was in a position to, to call their fall sports calendar off as well because they, they just felt like they couldn't necessarily protect folks. And I think that there's the institutions that at the highest of, of revenue levels, they're at least going to have the potential to do that. That's where the medicine needs to come into play. I, on the, I do a serious XM show, and on, on my show I had – uh, Dr. Bill Maurice from the Mayo Clinic on my show a couple weeks ago, guys. And one of the things he was telling me was that he's not under the impression there's going to be a vaccine by the fall. But even without vaccination available, he did feel like there's progress being made towards actually having therapies in place. You know, the medical industry has continued 
to to learn about COVID-19 because this thing has only been around for a few months. And I, I got to remind folks of that a lot who make these presumptions, positive or negative, about where things will head, because even the smartest folks in the world don't know yet because there are no long-term studies about anything because it didn't exist before a few months ago. So that being said, I think that the medical industry is, is working. And the doctor from the Mayo Clinic was telling me that therapies could be in place that diminish the level of risk for severe, not, not just fatalities, but the severe health complications that, that you do see at times here, even in, in young, healthy individuals who do have to go to the hospital or even end up in the ICU or those sorts of things, to diminish the, the risk and the amount of time that that would take place. He feels there will be those therapies in place in the at the time, it was within the next couple of months to come headed towards the fall sports calendar. Just that clock continues to tick on a daily basis. And if the medicine catches up to the money that's being devoted to trying to solve some of these big issues, then those with the most money who can put systems in place to account for it will, I think, have a great opportunity to, to activate some sort of a sports calendar. Anthony Heron is with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What did you think about the decisions the Big Ten and Pac-12 made last week to to just go conference only? I suppose the word inevitable I would use for it. You know, we, it, it is one thing to to anticipate that coming and to know that so many folks in the in the power structure are working on those decisions and discussing so many different scenarios because of all the unknowns like I've been talking about here. And with that in mind, we've had an opportunity to talk about that for months now. Oh, what if they do this? What if they go conference only? What if they diminish the schedule? What if they start late? What if they go to the spring? But then when you see one of those major levers pulled from the major power players from the power five, the big 10 and then the pac 12, it's still a shock to the system. It's still makes things feel more real, more legitimate than when they're just in the discussion phase. And my impression, especially in retrospect, when you look at comments that come out afterwards from from the SEC and and the decision makers in the Big 12, I mean, these conference commissioners have been on at least weekly, if not multiple times a week, on calls, whether Zoom, telephone, you name it, just discussing all these scenarios. And it's seems fairly obvious that the SEC, the Big 12, to some extent, I think the ACC is, is in the middle of that a bit, but wanting to, to delay things as much as possible. And I think the Big 10, the Pac-12, seemed to, to just sort of get a bit impatient where they felt like they had a responsibility to essentially their constituency and those who they're most directly responsible for. And so that, that level was pulled there. I do believe that the rest of the Power Five will will end up following suit here in the near future. One thing that Mark Harlan said, Anthony, uh, the AD at Utah, the flexibility component to that conference-only situation, being able to push the season back if necessary, like you mentioned earlier. And he said that under this circumstance, they could push – they could push training camp all the way back till September and start play in October, and that they would be a little more nimble, more easier to do it that way than with a more cluttered schedule. Do you agree? I do. I do. I think that that thought of flexibility is, I think, as important as anything because of all these unknowns. Without 
without a knowledge, just the, the predictive nature of, of this is, is fairly minimal right now, just as we're all just sort of witnessing history, living history in the moment without any knowledge for what the future will hold with COVID-19 and, and therapies and vaccinations associated with it, the effects it has on the human body, whether or not the fall and the winter weather will have the effect that was initially predicted it would, because now the summer months don't necessarily you know, seem to be curtailing it in the way that, that some of the experts were hoping it would. So all those things, I, I think, put the decision makers in a position to say, you know what, how can we make things as malleable as possible? How can we sort of be a, a bit of a sports chameleon and, and say that if, if a game here, say there's a couple of different teams within the Pac-12 who within the same week just don't, not, not that there's even severe health complications, but just have a bunch of guys in quarantine. And between quarantine and contact tracing and, you know, likely needing separate housing available to those who, who you have to separate from the pack, essentially, and all those things that require the major resources that I was talking about earlier, and that's why the Power Five is, is in position to sort of at least attempt to move forward and kick the can down the road. But then after you're going through all those things, and if you have multiple teams, several teams perhaps in a given week that just don't have enough bodies to adequately compete, the more available weekends, the more basically what we would normally think of as bye weeks that people have in their schedule, give you the ability to try and reschedule, to try and move games, and especially if there is diminished, uh, you know, a, a diminished amount of fans in the stadium. Who knows? Perhaps even no fans in the stadium if it came to that. So you're not even worried about tickets here and there, and, and how bodies are going to move dates and those types of things. But I, I just think it, it makes sense to to see what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have done so far, what I believe the rest of the Power Five will end up doing pretty soon here to try and give yourself as many levers as possible to complete the season. Like I was referencing earlier, I I think the season's going to start. Completing the season will be a fairly Herculean task, would be my assumption, just giving giving everything we're learning so far. Anthony, who would be your favorite in the Pac-12 right now? Oregon. You know, I, I, I tend to I tend to like to find some other dark horse somewhere, or, you know, some team that, that has been Utah a time or two in recent years. I'm like, you know what? I think those I think those youths are going to be right there nipping at the heel, that sort of thing. And you know, I just I don't see anyone as as well healed as Oregon is with with where the program has been in recent years, what's building as they seem to be ascending both on the field and off. And I was talking resources earlier. They, they put major resources into a quality coaching staff. And Mario Cristobal is just, he's, he's the, the steady force of intensity that that program really needed, I believe. And there, there are some, some similarities, I think, to especially behind closed doors to his personality and Tip Kelly's to a certain extent when you think about it. And he certainly has learned from some great coaches over the years. And I just... I like a lot about what Mario Cristobal has brought to the table for the Ducks program that they really legitimately needed. You know, replacing Justin Herbert is no small task, but from what I've seen of Tyler Shuck, he has a similar stature, a similar arm talent, a similar mobility, and it's certainly going to be in a similar offensive system. And I just think that it's a program that's going to be hard to top. You know, there's other threats in the conference, no doubt. But no one, I would at the moment pick ahead of Oregon, and that, that's why it's so unfortunate. You know, we're talking Big Ten and Pac-12 and going conference only. 
man, that, that Oregon-Ohio State game, that would have been something else to see that at the start of the season. Anthony, were you in favor of the of, of USC retaining Helton? Uh, what, what do you make of that situation? And is SC still SC? And if it does have the right leadership, can it recapture the glory of old? Or do you think because of the situation they're in, as far as that staff goes, that it will be kind of a little more of the same? I was. Personally, I was in favor of, of Clay Helton being retained. I just I think that the level of uncertainty and upheaval that we tend to see over and over again throughout college sports, you know, I, I think, you know, like Nick Saban sort of infested the SEC with with the quick, with the sort of quick tr- twitch to to want to get rid of coaches and bring in new bodies and feel like that things can sort of swiftly be remade. And Clay Helton, while you know, from in LA, he's he's not a guy who bring some of that cachet and bravado personality that, you know, we might be accustomed to when you think of Pete Carroll or Lane Kiffin or just the, the SC sort of coaches that they give LA the sort of juice coming from the, the Trojan sidelines that you want. But overall, I think his presence, his demeanor is as steady as USC football has had in a long time. And I think that's beneficial to the program overall. I think there's a, a level of grit, of toughness, of finish, that he needs to continue to institute as he's done a nice job compiling talent, you know, from a recruiting standpoint because of the job uncertainty. That certainly has been hampered here as of late. But I think when it comes down to it, USC top to bottom is still one of the most talented teams in the Pac-12, and he's had a a more renewed focus on, on them getting bigger, deeper, more physical on the line of scrimmage. So, you know, to me, I'm I'm all for being patient with coaches, and I think this season is going to be a really telling one for Clay Helton. With the, the new administration that came in, you've got new bosses, new leadership. They're going to evaluate things really closely. And, and in the end, I think this season will probably be one that tells the tale of whether or not he's going to continue to be the Trojans coach. Anthony, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. And let's hope we're watching a little college football sometime soon. Yeah, man. Fingers crossed. Let's hope we get as much football in this year as the good Lord allows. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Stay well. There you go. Anthony Heron from the Pac-12 Networks. Uh, very everyone's, good stuff asking, from him. everyone's asking the same questions, Jake. Everyone, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unprecedented, uh, unprecedented times, my man. We're we're all going yep. through this uh, one day at a time, no doubt. And no, and no one's really got the, the, the you know the magic answer. It, it's just. Um, Everybody is waiting and seeing. That's really what it comes down to. All right. It is the big show. We'll have more coming up next. Uh, don't forget a Mountain America market update at uh, 350. What's going on at four? David Locke at five. Oh, I saw the mystery, by the way. DJ was butt dialing me. Oh, so was he? he wasn't angry. No, no, no. I, I actually turned off my microphone during that interview because he'd called me for a third time. And so I thought, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe it's an emergency or something. I picked it up, and he's barking at somebody about RSL highlights. Oh, we should have answered it on air. <laughs> Isn't really? that really weird that we were talking about DJ, and all of a sudden he starts butt dialing? I know. Come, it, come 530, everybody's going to be talking about DJ. That's uh, Yeah, that's true. But yeah, th- that's never happened. DJ's never butt dialed me before. And yet today it happens three times in one segment. It was funny answering the phone and hearing him like, how about those RSL highlights I asked for? 
<laughs> okay, so wait a second. Answer me one thing real quick. When you butt dial someone, is it because the phone is turned toward the butt or is it away from the butt and the, it's really the seat that is uh, doing the dialing? And my Gordon's list open is complete. Uh, I don't know, Gordon. I'm not sure. Which is it? Is it the seat dialing or is it the butt dialing? And which is the best way to turn your phone when it's in your back pocket? I don't even know how it's possible to butt dial somebody anymore with technology and, you know, the like you have the swipes and passwords and yeah. face a, imprints a that, yeah, and, yeah. that you have to do to get into phones. <laughs> I don't know how that even happens anymore. Uh, but apparently it just was. All right. Stay tuned. We'll have more. So next. which way do you turn it? I don't know. Uh, away or in? Not sure. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.